Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Women in Electronics podcast series. And we are here today with one of my favorites, Cindy Weir. Cindy, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. So um, it's interesting to interview you today. Well, first of all, I will start off introducing you, your title and all that. Maybe I'll just turn it over to you, Cindy, to do that so I don't mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I work for PEI Genesis, and I'm currently the senior director of global product and purchasing. Perfect. I memorized that. I tried to a couple times and then I decided, let's just not mess it up. <laughs> so thank you for that, Cindy. But you know, it's kind of a full circle moment today interviewing you because how long was six years ago or seven years ago when we first met, right? And we were introduced through an industry colleague And that is when Women Electronics was just an inception. It was just like an idea. And then we had people like you coming beside us and participating. So maybe I'll just start off with that first, because that's how we came together. And we'll just circle back around on that. Sure. I remember having that conversation um, and just talking about, you know, what, what could we do in the industry or how could we do things differently? And, you know, how can we get women more involved and, then when they get involved, how do we keep them involved? Yeah. Um, those having all those conversations about who and what other women that we knew yeah. that would be interested in um, something like this. That was really interesting. Now that I look back, though, do you remember that first conference? It was like twenty people, and we were kind of rounding them up, like who should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who do you know? And who do you know? And that kind of thing. Yeah, who's going to come and who wants to participate, who understands what we're doing. So that was really, so thank you for, you know, from that first Women Electronics Conference, look at this organization. And it was really with the efforts of people like yourself who had been in the industry, who knew a lot of people, who could pull people together, but help do this in a way that was very uniting and not dividing. So hats off, Cindy, and thank you for being along this ride with us. No, it's been great. It's been great. So much has been accomplished. Can you believe from that first meeting to now, so much has been accomplished. So, okay. So let's backtrack a little bit though. So that's how we got our start together and how we started to know about each other. But beyond that, you have a long history in the industry. And this was actually one of the reasons why I was really honored that you were involved with women electronics from the beginning because you have quite a career in the industry. A lot of people know you. You're very credible. Let's talk about how you came into the industry, why, and what that journey looked like a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the industry just a little bit over 40 years, uh, which is a long time. It's not something that, you know, you're in school and you go, oh, I want to be a salesperson or a manager in electronics distribution. (laughs) Doesn't quite work that way. Um, But I ended up after high school getting a job at Apple Computer. They had a facility in Texas where I lived at the time and went to work for them actually out on the line testing disk drives, um, of all things, that no longer exist today. And then as I kind of moved through that organization, I ended up in purchasing. 
I eventually got laid off from Apple when they closed that facility and moved everything back to California. And I ended up at a company called TechCore Electronics that has since been bought by Little Fuse. And I worked in customer service, inside sales, um, supporting distribution. Um, so I worked for a manufacturer and supported distribution. And I ended up leaving there and started at uh, Time Electronics. And they were a big connector distributor at the, at the time. They were probably the largest connector distributor out there, eventually owned by Avnet. And I worked there. I worked in inside sales, kind of covering the rest of the world, you know, all those customers that weren't uh, assigned to anybody. And a product manager there really, you know, told me about it. You need to know the product. You need to really understand what the product is and what you're selling. And so he would spend a lot of lunches doing lunch and learns with the team about learning product. I ended up at Aero Electronics after I left time. So then that was about 1989. And I actually started out doing order entry back in the day when salespeople didn't enter their own orders. And I did order entry. I ended up at a at what we called an implant. So I was on site at a customer in inside sales. And then I moved back to the branch and then ultimately became the sales manager for the branch for Capstone. So we were a region and I was the inside sales manager. And then I was in that role a couple of years. And my Calabria was the marketing guy at the time and came down and asked, you know, through some various meetings, if I'd ever be interested in moving to Denver to work in corporate. And ultimately, that's what I did. And so they moved me to corporate. Um, and I worked at Arrow for almost 25 years. Wow. Oh, my goodness, Cindy. So how did that look? Did you have a family at the time? How? What yep, did that sure like? did. Yeah, I was married, had two kids. So my husband worked for the phone company and worked for AT&T. So he was considered portable. So it made us really easy to relocate mm-hmm. because he could work for any phone company throughout the United States. So he kept his tenure and all of that. And because he really had an eight to five job, you know, with the kids, they were probably about six and eight at the time when we moved to Denver and was working a lot, but had good support. And when I moved there, the people within the company were really great about, you know, bringing us all together for events because a lot of people moved there. They didn't have family there. So we were kind of, you know, kind of created our own family through work. Well, that's kind of neat. I imagine if you move to the corporate office, it's no easy job. So how were you managing? So I want to get into this a little bit because, you know, here you are a seasoned professional in our industry, not so easy raising a family and having a pretty intensive career at the same time. How was it that you were able to juggle that? You know, one, like I said, my husband was able to, you know, pretty have an eight to five job. So he was able to do a lot of stuff with the kids. My mom actually lived with us for a short period of time right after she retired and moved in with us for a couple of years. So that helps too. So to have that support system was pretty big. And then when I really started traveling a lot, you got to have a great support system, you know, whether that's friends or family or spouse or significant other or whatever that might be, you really just have to have a great support system. Because to get ahead, you've got to do a lot of those things. And I was doing a lot of travel throughout the country, a little bit of international travel, not too much, but certainly spending a lot of time on playing a lot of time away from the family. But you got to have a great support system. Mm. 
I agree a hundred percent. So very good comment there, but also, okay, so let's get into the next part of what I wanted to ask you, because we've built this organization, Women Electronics, and a big part of it is mentorship. A, A huge part of what we do is that mentorship program. And even interviews like this are an indirect form of mentorship because people get to hear from a leader they normally don't get to hear from and take some guiding principles. I love listening to all the leaders on here because I take something from every one of them. So what is it that you would say are some of your guiding principles, Cindy, that as you've risen up in your career, overcome certain challenges, what is it that you can then offer back to others as some tried and true principles? I think a big one for me is my integrity. I always did what I said I was going to do. And I think that's a big one. You know, if you're going to commit to something, you need to follow through because nobody likes it when you're all talk and no action. Um, So that was a big one for me. I was lucky to have some really good mentors early in my career. And then even later on, um, there's still people that I talk to that are, you know, maybe a little bit now outside of the industry, especially when I was leaving Arrow to go work uh, for TTI. And now eventually I've ended up at PEI. But um, so the integrity part is really big. Having that mentor, somebody you can talk to about, you know, what do you think the right thing is or, you know, get another perspective. Right. Because ultimately you have to make your own decision. Right. So I had to, you know, do I move? Do I relocate my family? You know, some of those tough decisions. Do I want to try for that next job? You know, do I want to move up and those kinds of things. But it's good to have people to talk to and bounce things off of. You know, I got some great advice. Stop worrying about things you can't change. Yeah. Because that was a big one for me that I used to just really get wound up about. Yeah. And it was like, stop worrying about things you can't change. It's like, it's hard to do, especially when you care. I'm very passionate about what I do. You know, maintain your relationships with people. I think I'm pretty good about reaching out to people, staying in contact, you know, even if it's just a, hey, how you doing? Right. Because nobody likes it when you constantly call somebody and need something, you know, you got to have something in the bank, you know, that says, hey, how are you doing today? Instead of just, a, hey, can you do this for me? You know, can you do me a favor? Those kinds of things. Yes, that's really, really good advice. So those are very good mentorship principles. So what do you say with, you know, I have a couple things to talk to you about. One in particular is women, you know, as we reach this, say, maybe mid-level career, okay, so maybe we haven't exactly gotten where we want, but we're in that mid-range. How is it that you overcame maybe getting stuck or seeing other women get stuck in their careers? Is that something that you've seen in your career? How would you address that? I'm just so curious about it because it's something we don't talk about that much. But if we look at the data, so many women are stuck in that mid-career level. Um, You obviously were able to overcome that. So do you have any comments on that? Yeah, sure. I think some of it is making sure the people around you and above you know that you want to move up. You know, a lot of times you get into a position and you're really good at it and they're just like, oh, they're fine right where they are, not knowing what that person really wants to do with their career. So I think it's important. So if your direct manager or your mentors or whoever it might be within the organization, they need to know what your career aspirations are. Right. So you have to have those conversations and say, hey, I'd really like to get here. 
what kind of things do I need to do to get to that level? You know, because sometimes those jobs aren't always posted, right? And as company make changes within the organization, if they're not aware of what you want to do, you really have to advocate for yourself. It's so true. People forget to do that. Now, okay, so let me ask you another question. <laughs> so rising through those challenges of um, advocating for yourself, getting to the next level, all of a sudden we come in a position where now we're managing our peers, which is an interesting dynamic, right? It's one relationship you have when you're in it together doing that. And then it's a totally different situation when now you're managing your peers. That's challenging. And I don't think that we talk about that a whole lot as women. Um, and it's a very different dynamic, I believe, than men managing their peers. But what is your insight on that? How did you overcome some of those barriers? Well, one thing that happened is when I was a salesperson, the sales management job position came open. And I applied for it, but I didn't get it. I think they had already kind of made up their mind. And so that gave me time to kind of sit back and as the new manager did things for me to look at it and say, would I have done that differently? Would I have done it, you know, better, worse, whatever the case might have been? How would I have handled those certain situations? So one, that was very fortunate for me because a year later when the job did come open, I was able to get that position. And so now I was managing my peers, right? So part of it is what kind of relationship do you have with those people? I'm not a micromanager. I like to give people the opportunity to do what they need to do. I'm there to support them in whatever they might need. If they've made a decision that I think is different from one that I would have made of, made, I would just ask them, well, help me understand what your thought process was. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Because a lot of times, you know, people would come to me and go, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, what do you want? It? And so I think part of that, especially when you're with your peers, one, it's hard to earn respect, you know, but you, you really need to have that respect. And then it would be, why do you have that respect? At one time later in my career, it happened again. And I was now managing my peers, very senior woman, you know, who'd been in the industry longer than me. She didn't really want that position. She was comfortable where she was. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm here to support you. I know you know what you're doing. Yes. You know, I don't need to tell you what to do. So if you need my help, let me know. Tell me how you want to be managed. You know, because people like to be managed differently. Some people like a little bit more hands-on. Some people don't, you know. And so, well, tell me, how do you want to be managed? And so I think that helps who was your peer now get more comfortable with you being their boss. Yes. Okay. So I actually have never asked that. How do you want to be managed? I have never asked that question. I think it's a really good question because I think we all look at ourselves like we just have a certain style, right? And we just kind of do that and hope it works. That's a really good uh, tidbit. How do you want to be managed? So beyond that, what about having those tough conversations? Because, you know, it's one thing to manage somebody who is an associate that you never had relationships with. Um, You didn't rise up together. But I think a lot of women being in a male-dominated industry that reach a certain level, you're going to know a lot of the people probably that you end up managing. So how about having those tough conversations? Because that's a whole different thing. Have you always been easy with that? Because that's not typically an area 
women love. So how about that? Well, so if, if I'm having a tough conversation with someone that works for me, right, whether that's male or female or whoever it might be, some of those should never be a surprise, right? Because things have happened throughout the year or whatever. Let's say you're giving somebody their annual review and maybe it's not that great, right? They haven't done a great job or performed that well. Well, that shouldn't be a surprise, right? That should never be a surprise. They should know you have to have those conversations when things happen. So if something happens that's not what it should have been, then you have to have that immediate conversation. You can't just go, I'll talk to them later, sweep it under the rug. Yeah. I've always been known for being pretty direct. And sometimes I have to back off from that then and be a little bit more, um, you know, amiable that way. But those tough conversations, they're tough to have, but they need to, to have someone get better or do better. You got to have those conversations. Hey, this is what you need to work on. Most of the time they know it. They just don't want to admit it, but it should never be a surprise. Right. That's really good input. So now, okay, so we're going to transition real quick. You know, here we are in our industry. It's pretty much has evolved a little bit since, you know, you first started to now. Some ways, not so much, but in a lot of ways it has. Um, What would you say, like if you were a young rising professional or if you could talk to this, uh, just a fresh young rising professional coming into this industry, what would be your words of wisdom to them? What What would you now, after all these years, look back and be able to say, here's what I think you should focus on or think about or or here's some advice for you starting your career? Well, probably a couple of different things, depending on what type of role they were in. Um, I think this is still a relationship business. You know, a lot of people say it's not, but that was very obvious at EDS, right, that we just had a few weeks ago. That was much more social, I felt like, because we hadn't been able to do it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Those relationships are critical. So I would say to nurture your relationships, whether that's internal or external, um, that's really important. Back to that integrity, do what you say you're going to do, right? And advocate for yourself, you know, and and if you want more or you want different, I think that's pretty important. If they're a salesperson, I would say learn your product. That really helped, you know, the respect that I got from suppliers because I knew what I was talking about, right? I knew the product, I knew the markets and the applications, and that gained me a lot of respect from the suppliers. Oh, I think that's excellent. I, I just feel like it's like, gosh, it's funny how these things go so fast. Like we <laughs> talking and it's like all of a sudden, here we are. But really, you are retiring, Cindy. Like, oh my goodness. Okay, so what's the date? What's the final date? Uh, Friday, May 27th. Oh my gosh. So by the time this airs, you will have been retired. Oh my goodness. So what are your plans for retirement? What are you going to do? Well, I've now moved back to Colorado and I've got uh, four grandkids. So my plan is to spend a lot of time with the grandkids, get back into my photography. I love uh, photography and taking pictures. Uh, So get back into doing something, some of that. Um, And I'm taking up painting. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Okay. So you're got a lot of things that I feel like will keep me pretty busy. Are you planning on travel? Like, do you have travel plans too? Or you're just pretty much wanting to just dive into hobbies? Well, this summer, my oldest grandson made a traveling baseball team. So I'm following him around. 
he actually had a tournament in Vegas at the end of EDS. So that worked out well. Okay. Uh, he's got a tournament in Omaha coming up in a couple of weeks. So going to go do that. So I'm just kind of following him around this summer. And then I do have a little bit of travel planned at the end of August into September. Well, Cindy, we wish you all the best in your retirement. Well deserved and earned after all these years, you know, being in the channel and, you know, to, to conclude and finally, like, do you feel that if you look at, say, women in electronics and any kind of diversity in this industry, what are your thoughts on that as we go into our future? It's, it's obviously a different time in our world. Do you feel that we're progressing in this industry in that regard? Do you feel like we're starting to do better and we're taking a turn? Or do you feel like we're still kind of have a lot of work to do? What's your perspective of where we're you know, I'd actually say a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I think we have made a lot of progress. That was obvious at our most recent reception. Yes. I thought the turnout was fantastic. Yes. And that a huge majority of the people who came were men. Yes. So there's a lot of men who support what we're doing, which yep. I think is big. The other thing is when we look across the industry and I'm retiring in the age of the industry, I think in the next two or three years, there's going to be a huge turnover of people based on their age and retirement. Mm-hmm. So does that give women a little bit more opportunity to move up? I think now is a great time for that. I think we've done a lot and still a lot to do. Okay. Well, good message to end on. Cindy, thank you for joining us today. I'm really honored to have you join us today, but also for all your participation in Women Electronics and some of those initial founding sponsors, uh, relationships came through you and just your relationships and connections in the industry, as well as some of our other team. But it was just really a collective group effort, people coming together at the right time to have a unified message. So thank you for your contribution to Women Electronics. It's, It's like a legacy thing in the industry. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, thank you. You have a good day. All right. Bye bye. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.